still just a little bit froggy here uh, sitting in my little perch and uh, had I did have a cup of coffee already I'm ready for a second cup all here in the morning uh, starting the day here in uh, Moral Maine and ending the day in Fayette Maine tonight Fayette Baptist Church um, where uh, we have a class going on we being doing the Bible College and seminary and uh, a course on church history uh, taught by uh, a few of our professors actually engaged in that uh, teaching. Uh, so just throw that out to you uh, to think about my day today. We're reading about Priscilla still in the White Mountains, uh, beautifully audible. I'm sure that it is. Uh, you guys should have a lovely, lovely, lovely drive home as you head toward uh, Virginia. And uh, what a lovely time of the year. What, what is your favorite time of the year? I, I think fall, uh, at least one week in fall, is my absolute favorite. Overall, I like fall probably the best. 
really. Um, things are still green, uh, and then all the colors and the cooler air. Uh, and uh, so I, I like fall the best. What about you? Maybe you're a person that says, I like winter because I like the snow and I like the uh, the fireplace. Uh, you might be a person that says, well, I, yeah, maybe not winter, but I certainly like summer because I like it hot. Not me. Uh, so what what is your favorite? Um, Fran saying autumn is her favorite. What about you all? Everybody else that's listening in here live at the six o'clock hour. Another uh, Priscilla saying fall is my favorite. I mean, all the colors and, and the crisp air, the cool air. And, and you know, it's heading toward cooler. Uh, unlike spring where, you know, it's heading toward hotter. And, and personally, I am not one who who is all that uh, enthralled with hot weather. I, I like it kind of cool. So, um, and in case you're wondering, I just need to mention the reason I have this picture back behind me here is it kind of hides any day I might have a bad hair day. So if you're looking at this saying, well, he has a tree growing out of his head, well, it just hides the bad hair day. Um, when, when you have not a lot of hair, some days it's, you know, pretty easy to have a bad hair day. Anyway, I'm just having a little bit of fun with you. We are in Mark chapter 2 today. We are looking at the lessons from the life of Christ and uh, just working our way through the synoptic gospels and the gospel of John as he factors in uh, chronologically into the life of Christ. And we're picking up at uh, Mark chapter 2. Yesterday, we read about Jesus healing a leper. Uh, and to think about Jesus uh, touching uh, a leper, uh, and uh, we tend to want to stay away from messy people and dirty situations and whatnot. But Jesus ran—I don't want to say he ran to them, but he didn't—he didn't hold back at all. He would reach out and physically touch the leper. And uh, ministry can be messy, and the question is, will we uh, engage? Uh, in that messiness at times, it, it can be messy, it can be hard, it can be challenging, it can be difficult, um, because sometimes people are difficult, sometimes we're difficult. We are people, sometimes we're difficult. Uh, but Jesus Jesus dealt with these difficult, messy situations that other people did not want to touch. I mean, there's both, both a reality of him physically touching a leper, but then also kind of the, uh, how it's kind of emblematic of, touching messy ministry and uh, being willing to engage in, in, in what can be sometimes uh, challenging and difficult. So that lesson today, we pick up with him healing a paralytic. So let's jump into Mark chapter two. A few days later, Jesus uh, entered Capernaum. The people heard that he had come. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the doa, that is main for door, uh, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat, uh, lowered, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit uh, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anyone uh, anything like this. So this story. Now, there, there are lessons both in what Jesus says and what Jesus does, but then there's also lessons from those four friends who brought somebody else to Jesus. And so as they brought someone else to Jesus, there is this impact uh, on numerous lives and controversy which arises from what Jesus says. Now, he could have just said to the man, okay, uh, dude, you're healed. Get up and go home. I mean, that would have created quite a stir uh, in of itself to say, man, there is somebody showed up and this person that has been paralytic, you know, as he has been uh, for all this time, someone this Jesus person has shown up and healed him. Wow. But Jesus stirred the controversy because he said, your sins are forgiven. Now, the sins are forgiven is a phenomenal thing. But why does he do this? He, he is doing this to demonstrate his authority. He is doing this to demonstrate his authenticity as Messiah he is wanting them to know that this is, in fact, the Messiah. And so he points points them this direction. The direction of healing before, I mean, the direction of forgiveness before the direction of healing. Let's just go back to the top. Uh, a few days later, now remember, he's healed a leper. Uh, he healed Back in uh, chapter 1, he healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, at her home, many people gathered, and as they gathered, uh, he was healing people and casting out demons and these things. So so word about him in, in, this, in the region of the Galilee is spreading, and uh, people are clamoring. And so we see in verse 1, it says, When he entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. And so many gathered, there was no room left. I mean, they, they packed the house. It says not even outside the door. Uh, th there was just no room left even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. In other words, they were, they were lined up out into the street. This verse 3. Then some men came bringing him, bringing to Jesus this paralytic carried by four of them. Now, Now, let's think about these four men for just a moment. Uh, there's actually five. There is a paralytic, and then there are four men. So there are these five men. I mean, could it be that this guy was saying, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. I mean, he could have been saying this. Or, and we don't know, the text gives no indication, or he could have been saying, please take me to this Jesus. I, I, I do want to be healed. Or, or it could have been a combination of those things where his friends were pleading with him, come to Jesus and be healed. And 
And he's finally coming to the point of saying, yes, take me to Jesus and I will be healed, uh, hopefully be healed. That, that would be why I would go is for this healing. But to think about these five men, to think about the conversation that could have been going on, everything from no, I, I don't do this to me, to them convincing him to go, to him even saying, hey, I, I can't get to Jesus. Will you take me? We don't know. But what we do see and what we do carry out of this by lesson for ourselves is that we can carry others to Jesus. How do we carry others to Jesus? Well, one way we can carry others to Jesus is by prayer, by coming before God and before and by saying, God, please, please draw my friend. Please bring them in. Please cause them to believe. Please cause them to see. Please cause their hearts to be softened. Please cause them to respond to the gospel. I mean, so that is one way that we can bring others to Jesus is by prayer. We can bring people to Jesus by example. Uh, we can bring people to Jesus by not only prayer and example, but we can also bring people to Jesus by the words that we would speak. But but the question for all of us could be that the, the simple lesson in this one verse, verse 3 some men came bringing him a paralytic carried by four of them. Uh, the question can be, who are we carrying to Jesus? Are we carrying someone to Jesus? Are we pointing someone to Jesus? And there is one other lesson in verse 3, I believe, and that is often it takes more than one person to bring someone to Jesus. I mean, some of the studies, and these were some Billy Graham evangelistic uh, uh, studies that had been done, uh, and these are older dated studies. I wonder if the numbers have changed. But what they found in their study is it took an average of seven meaningful connections with born-again Christians, meaningful, positive connections, or or maybe up to seven hearings of the gospel before somebody is ready to respond to Christ. Now, we don't know who else might might have shared Christ with somebody. And so as we begin to share, we might be number three. We might be number seven. And so that that's why often we could be asking the question, tell me about your faith. Tell me about um, where you stand. Tell me about what you think about Jesus. Tell me about what your understanding of, of what, what is the gospel. I mean, that's why asking a question like that can be so good because they might be right on the edge of belief. They might be right on the edge of forgiveness of sins. They might be right on the edge of finding new life in Christ, of finding their spiritual legs, if you will. We, we just never know. But these people... These men came carrying their friend to Jesus and for us to learn how to do the same and to do it in partnership. Uh, one of the things that I have suggested on several occasions is uh, that, that you would have a few other people with whom you pray on a weekly basis. It might be once a week. It might be twice a week. It might be three times a week. But some of the things that you pray about together in this little prayer triad, if you will, or prayer triplet, I mean, you're praying for each other and each other's needs, but also you're praying for uh, you're praying for others who have needs, or you're praying for uh, 
you're praying for your lost friends, people that need to come to Christ. So you pray about these things together. You mention names. You pray together for these people. And and as I sit here, I'm thinking of a conversation I had Sunday afternoon that we we prayed about that person's circumstance, but we certainly uh, could have spent more time praying about uh, the desire for several people that uh, there were at least five people that that this person uh, indicated to me that they wanted to have conversation with, at least five, and, and probably more, uh, and to spend time praying together. So, and I know that this person does listen uh, on a regular basis, maybe not at our hour or maybe in the background, but uh, just wanting to say right now, Lord, we I want to pray for those five, for those friends. I don't remember how many, but at least five friends that were mentioned uh, in that conversation on Friday afternoon. I pray uh, not for the names because of the public nature of this, but Lord, for those individuals that were mentioned, that you would draw them to Christ, that this individual would have the opportunity to share his story with them and that they uh, would respond in faith to the gospel. Lord, even some that seem hardened to the things of Christ, that you would soften them and cause them to believe, Lord. So I pray together with with my friend that you would uh, that you would draw these people to yourself, that you would open their hearts, and that you would give my friend the opportunity to, to communicate Christ to them. Lord, I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, so what I just gave you there, there, there's an example of a prayer that you could pray uh, with somebody else. I mean, so you might be talking about people who don't know, uh, who don't know Christ, and just well, let's stop and pray for them. We, that we learn to stop uh, and and pray that way. So that is a lesson, not necessarily directly from Jesus, but a lesson from those friends who were who who brought their friend. They're paralytic, and we're in Mark chapter 2, who brought their friend to Jesus. Oh, that the Lord would use us to bring people to Jesus. Mentioning that, I want to mention that coming up on the 16th, uh, we are going to have baptisms um, right here at the church. Uh, We are going to baptize, I don't know, four or five people. Uh, and if you have never been baptized, let me just talk about baptism for a moment. There is uh, some churches, and, and perhaps in your uh, infant years, you were baptized as an infant. That's that's fantastic. That's all well and good. I, I'm not going to get into the teaching about that because I don't know the teaching about that. That is a practice that some churches do uh, that I still don't wrap my head around, but some churches do it, and they have a very solid argument, at least in their thinking of why they do it. I still don't see it. But if you, I was baptized as a baby, just want you to know. Um, but the, the the baptism of which we speak is one called believer's baptism. That is when a person is old enough to cognitively on their own make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Believer's baptism. This is when they, they go down to the waters uh as as a child, uh, an older child, a teenager, an adult, uh, and they are immersed into the waters. Even as John immersed people in the in the River Jordan, so we baptize people. And that baptism does not save. The only thing that saves is true, legitimate faith in Jesus Christ. That is what saves. But the baptism is an example 
is an external witness, is an external demonstration of the fact that a person has faith in Jesus Christ and that going down into the water is uh, symbolic of, of dying to self and coming up out of the water and, and dying with Christ and coming up out of the water is uh, uh, symbolic of resurrection into new life. And that is what baptism is all about. If you are a believer and have not been baptized I want to encourage you, reach out to me, uh, send me a, a message on Messenger, or send me a text message if you have my cell phone, or give me a jingle, 323-8917, and say, on the 16th of the month, I too want to be baptized. Let me know uh, that you would like to be baptized, and uh, we will we will get that job done on that day in our worship service. So, um, I know that there's a handful of people right now uh, let us know about baptism. I, I don't know how I got into baptism, uh, but I did, and there we go. Let's move back into the text. Um, verse 4, notice the, the, the length to which they went to bring their friend to Jesus. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Uh, I guess I could have gone further with this, talking about what these people did to bring their friend to Jesus. Um, but if you think about digging through the roof, now, the roof style was such that uh, it, it was thatched. Uh, they didn't have the roofs like we have today, so... Just imagine a roof like we have today. <laughs> Get out the, someone throw me up the cordless saw. We're going to cut through the roof. And, and so not only are they cutting through the roof, maybe they have to cut through the shingle. They've got to cut through the underlayment, plywood, OSB, uh, hardboards, whatever it is. Probably have to cut through uh, a one rafter uh, and, and then the cross string underneath that rafter that goes from, from side to side. Uh, you think of the mess, uh, and you think of the work that would take to to be able to lower a person down in a modern roof like what we have. And I know how messy it is. Last night, uh, I was engaged. Uh, my my wife were, were were changing around the kitchen a little bit in the home in which we bought, and and it required removal of a few cabinets that will be replaced with smaller cabinets, so there can be a larger fridge. But it ended up uh, with tearing out all the brickwork over top of all of the cabinets, um, which my wife kind of wanted anyway. And, and just you think of the mess of something like that, just so we can change a cabinet or two and, and re, kind of reface and modernize a little bit um, just to please my wife. And I want to please my wife. I love my wife. You can tell her I publicly said that. Your husband says he loves you. Um I'll take all the points I can get. Uh, but back to the roof, to think of the mess in a, in a modern roof like what we have or in the mess. I mean, just the effort that it took for these guys to get their friend lower down to Jesus. Absolutely incredible, uh, incredible effort. And, and, and for us to ask ourselves, what effort are we willing to take to point people to Jesus, uh, both individually uh, in a smaller group of people, or in a larger group of people, what what are we willing to do? 
Having said that, I'm going to throw this out there, and I know that we have others that listen from other places. We are doing, again, this year, Trunk or Treat. It is an outreach uh, opportunity in the life from the life of our church. We had a meeting on Sunday to determine what do we do, how far do we go, and people are, yes, let's do it. Let's do it on the 31st, as we, as we have always done it on the 31st. And uh, people were engaged. So uh, pray. Pray for not just the numbers of people. I mean, that that's all well and good. We, we, we do want a good crowd. But pray even more uh, for the impact of the gospel through uh, the, the wordless book that will be shared. And as I'm going to try to uh, engage uh, on a microphone two or three times in the course of the evening uh, just to communicate the gospel. So I, I uh, just, just pray for that. But what effort would we go through in order to bring someone to Christ? They went to an absolute uh, incredible effort to bring someone to Christ. And notice what it says. When Jesus, back to Jesus, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. I mean, he's, it doesn't say even, he even saw the paralytic's faith. Now, it might be suggested in their faith that it was also the paralytic's faith that, that, that could be suggested there, but it was their faith. I mean, it, the text doesn't read when Jesus saw his faith, when Jesus saw their faith. Sometimes we need to carry other people uh, by our faith. Sometimes other people's faith is weak, and we need to come alongside each other uh, and bear each other up on our shoulders and help each other in the faith. When Jesus saw their faith, there are days when your faith is weak. There are days when, when your faith is such that you don't feel like you can go on. And those are days that we need to ride on other people's faith, to be strengthened by another's faith. Some days we don't we can't muster the energy to believe ourselves. So uh, we ask other t- people to come alongside and for their stre- for their faith to strengthen us. But then we notice what Jesus says. He doesn't say, Oh, dude, you're healed, but he says your sons are free, uh, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of law were sitting there thinking, "Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming." So he he raises up this this absolute incredible statement that that to them is a blasphemous statement. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And this is the very thing that Jesus is demonstrating. The fact is that he is God. And it says in verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in the spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. He said to them, uh, why do you think these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. And, And then he gives proof. He gives proof of who he is. He doesn't say, well, yeah, you're right. No. He gives proof. He says, what's easier? But that you might know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. I mean, this is the evidence. He is showing that he is Messiah. And he says, he, the paralytic, got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. 
This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, um, were were the religious leaders amazed? They, they were probably amazed, yes, but they are also concerned, consternated. Uh, Jesus is poking the bear, if you will. He's kind of poking his finger uh, into the, the thought processes of these uh, religious leaders and saying, now, you guys do all your stuff, but here's some evidence. Here's some proof. What are you going to do with this? He gives the proof. I mean, he he loved the leper yesterday. Today, he loves the paralytic and the four friends. Uh, in the midst of this, he is challenging the religious uh, standard. He is challenging the religious mindset. And, you know, to a certain measure, we have to ask ourselves, are we spiritual or as I like to say, are we spiritual uh, or are we religious? There's a difference. There are people who are religious in nature. Yeah, maybe they read the Bible and maybe they go through religious motions and so on and so forth. But to be truly spiritual, to be truly spiritually minded, to be faith minded, to to have our eyes uh, looking up to to heaven, to be in that place where we're where we're thinking about Christ and and thinking about God and the glory of God and the power of God and the love of God and the coming of God, both the first advent and the second. Um, and, and we're thinking about the works of God and the priorities of God and the character of God. Uh, and that, that within ourselves we would want to be made into spiritual people, spiritual men and women of God, that that would be us having that type of desire. Well, lessons for us, lessons that point to the reality that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God, uh, lessons that point to the fact that he had the power not only to forgive sins, but to make people walk again. Now, if he has the power to forgive that man's, that man's sins, Friend, he has the power to forgive your sins as well. If you are a person that today does not know Jesus Christ, has never been born again, born of the Spirit, you've never entrusted your life to Jesus Christ and made him your Savior, today you can do that. You confess to him that you're a sinner in need of salvation. You ask his forgiveness of your sins. He will forgive you and he will make you a new creation. You will be born again as you respond to God in faith in that way. Secondly, you might be a person who is born again, but you have a hard time forgiving yourself. Can I just suggest to you that if the God of heaven would tell you, I forgive you and I cleanse you, who are you to not forgive yourself? You need to forgive yourself. You need to get up with your life and get on with your life in faith, knowing that God has loved you, knowing that Christ has died for you, knowing that Christ forgives your sins, and that you are created to be a new person. You are created to be a workmanship in Christ, and that you would live being that perfect workmanship in Christ. Lord, encourage our hearts today. Help us to draw near to you today. Help us to... Think about your greatness today. 
For anybody that perhaps doesn't know salvation and Christ, draw them to salvation. For those of us that do know salvation, help us to work together that others as well may be saved. Others as well as this paralytic did may have their sins forgiven and may go from lying in their sins to walking in the Spirit. Lord, use us, we pray, all for the glory of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, hear our prayer. Amen. Well, all of you fall lovers out there, have a wonderful day. We will see you tomorrow.